You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. There's a lot behind the bliss for a lot of us. As much fun as we like to have around here, it's also important that we walk through our emotions. And from what we know and what we've heard from you guys, pain is something that we're all facing or something that we've faced in the past. What if we lived like our pain didn't have a final word and we learned to hold the hard and the beautiful at the same time? Today, I'm joined by my new friend, Jonathan Pitts, to chat through this idea. Jonathan shares his story of pain and how he walks through every day with a greater purpose because of it. Guys, there are so many incredible, dang, that's good moments inside this episode. I cannot wait for you to continue to listen. Jonathan and I both pray that this episode meets you exactly where you are today. We should tell our friends, but I was telling Jonathan before we started recording that we don't really have men on the show often. And that's for no other reason than like we don't really get pitched men very often. (laughs) But when we do and they come across and they have a story like yours and a ministry like yours and the foundation and Jesus like you do, we are just like so excited to have you. Yeah, glad to be on with you and glad to share my story. You know, it's funny. I find myself sharing with women um, pretty often. And so, uh, I I share a house with four women, by the way, so five women now I'm married. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's normal life for me. I'm familiar with the women. (laughs) I could cater to them. I love that. Well, tell us a little bit about who you are. If people are maybe unfamiliar with you and your story and just all the things that you're up to these days. Yeah, sure. Um, so I don't know where to start. So I'll just start with where I thought to start in a like a second ago, which is I currently live in Franklin, Tennessee. I'm a pastor. I I like to say I'm a part-time pastor trying to figure out who he actually is. But um, in in short, in uh, July of 2018, I moved to Franklin, Tennessee with my wife and my four daughters um, to become an executive pastor at a big church and movement of churches in in the the greater Nashville kind of um, metro Nashville area called um, Church of the City. And so uh, I was executive pastor. I came in July 14th, 2018. We bought our house. July 18th, um, 2018, we basically moved in and then would leave for about two weeks. We'd go back to Dallas where uh, my wife and I, Winter, raised our girls for 14 years. Our oldest, Alina, our second, Caitlin, um, and then Cameron, Olivia, who are twins, and at the time, they were 14, 11, and twin nine-year-olds. And so we went on vacation for a week in actually Iowa, where my mom is from, and then went to Dallas to, for me to finish up my last week of work. I was a, a nonprofit ministry executive there. And uh, winter, winter was finishing up a book project, and my girls were just kind of about to go to camp. And long story short, while we were there, um, we were in the middle of a massive life transition, excited about our future in, in Franklin and my work. And Winter at the time um, had started a ministry called For Girls Like You, which is a unapologetically magazine, Christian magazine for tween girls. And it published a bunch of resources. And while we were there um, finishing up kind of our last week in, in Dallas to come back to our house in Franklin, um, excited, um, 
winter would lay down for a nap and uh, I would uh, be kind of taking care of my girls, fixing dinner and stuff like that. She had a deadline that evening and um, long story short, and I don't even know how else to say it besides, besides saying it pretty frankly is winter would um, lay down for a nap and um, I'd walk into the bedroom to just check on her and just ask her if she wanted to eat dinner. And I was actually flossing my teeth. I went in a couple times and I went to floss my teeth because I had ribs with the girls and I would realize she was um, what seemed like was having a seizure and ultimately would be uh, she had cardiac dysrhythmia. Her heart got off rhythm and what would ensue would be the most traumatic 30 minutes of my life. And um, my youngest three girls were home and um, it's traumatic for them as well. And um, I would try to save her life for about 30 minutes. The paramedics would arrive. And what I always say is um, winter would glide into eternity pretty quickly and peacefully. And we would be on the other side experiencing not so much peace, um, although having peace in the Lord, obviously, maybe not obviously, but having peace in the Lord. Um, so, uh, we came back to Franklin, long story short. Um, I came back a grieving man. My girls came back four motherless daughters, beautiful girls. And we spent the next, um, multiple years of our life, really what I would say in an incubator of, um, peace and love in this quaint little beautiful community and the church that I came to pastor would actually be a church that would be a safe haven for me to work out who I was as a um, a widowed dad I guess I'd call myself I never referred to myself as that before but now that I'm not um, I, I guess I, I guess I'm not widowed anymore I'm remarried <laughs> so whatever you'd call me but um, ultimately um, this would be a great place for me to work out who I am and um, for me to learn what it looks like to lead four girls through the loss of their mom. And I'm still learning that, by the way. Like what I realized over time is you will never, I'll never not be leading my girls to that loss. And it was just a, it was a inflection point in our lives that changed uh, the trajectory of our lives. And um, yeah, so here I am now. I, you know, I pastored at Church of the City for, as an executive pastor for almost right about three years. And then I stepped out of that role um, to, be just a pastor on our team. And, um, I'm also a consultant. I do nonprofit fundraising consulting, which I've always had a passion for. And the other thing I do that has given me great joy and purpose um, since winter, winter past is actually running her ministry for girls like you. I've been the president. I was the co-founder, but I'm now the president of for girls like you. And it's, it's been weird because I thought it would be something I'd stop doing eventually because, you know, naturally, um, it's, kind of a weird thing to run a ministry for girls as a, as a grown man with girls that are aging out of that tween girl space too. Yeah. My youngest two are 12 and they're, they're really kind of probably emotionally out of it. Um, but I've realized that God's given me this ministry to steward that I'm a father to it, just like my father to my four girls. And just like I'm leading them, I can lead uh, for girls like you as well. And so I've got a lot of go- a lot going on. I, I wrote a book called my winter season, seeing God's um, faithfulness in the shadow of grief, which is a really recounting a ton of stories of God showing up in pretty crazy ways that helped me kind of see that he's, he is up to something. I don't know what it is. And he's there and he sees me, he sees us. There's a tattoo on my back. Now I always wanted the tattoo never thought I knew what I could get. So I never got one, but um, I don't know, maybe a year or so after winter passed, I got uh, Psalm 34, seven, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. And that's the verse after my life verse, which is taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses everyone who takes refuge in him. And it goes on to say, um, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. And I would just say my story is a story of rescue that God stepped into my life and my story and somehow, some way has given me the grace to um, 
walk these couple of years since my wife passed. And then also in addition to walk these couple of years and leave my girls also find love again and reconcile my loss, but also um, be open to new life, new adventure, new mission, new purpose, all that, not at the expense of what was, but in addition to, and um, leading into God's purposes for my life, obviously. So I don't know if that's a good summary, but that's got, that's what I got. So. That was the most beautiful summary. That was it. And I was going to even ask you about my winter season in your book and all the things. So I'm so glad you touched on that because I feel like a lot of our questions that we might get from our friends that listen is a lot about grief, just because here at Behind the Bliss, we obviously love to talk about what's behind the bliss. And life mm. is, yes, so beautiful. And God offers us so many tangible ways to experience him, but it doesn't discount the fact that just things in life can be so hard and messy, cluttered, but that he can provide us the clarity that we need. And so for you to so beautifully and eloquently explain your story and life and what has led you up into this point is truly an honor to hear it from you straight up. But at the same time, I think this is why I respect you and the ministries that you have so much and why I wanted so badly to introduce you to our friends that listen, because yeah, it's that both and it's like, it can be hard and God can still be good. And I think that so, mm-hmm. so much with grief, I don't know. The world tells us we have to pick one. It's like, right. you know, this is so hard. This is so hard. Like you deserve to cry. And yes, and we do, but like the celebration can still be there of their life and who they are and who God created them to be and the legacy they leave behind. And so I just think that you honor winter so well yeah. in the things that you do and that you, you just live a life of abundance, even if, which is what this is all about. So just, I wanted to honor you publicly for that because I, I admire that. And like your girls, I lost a parent and my dad passed away when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was really sudden. And like one day I woke up with him, went to bed without him kind of thing. Wow. And it's hard to reconcile that. And, you know, and you ha- obviously have lots of questions about God. And, but the fact that you're so honest and you're like, yeah, it's, it's something you still have to figure out. And that's still something I have to lead people through. Like my girls is, yeah. is a beautiful thing. So. Yeah. And I would say it's, I love the um, title of your podcast behind the bliss because there is a lot behind the bliss. Like I say that really, whatever, God's just kind of wired me to, I love sharing stories and I love talking. And so I can say some things decently eloquently or decently, you know, at least put together thoughts, but there's been a ton of growth on my journey. And the thing I would say right now is um, I love what you said about, I, I just said that, um, to someone recently, like being able to hold grief and celebration together. Um, it's so important to the walk of faith because ultimately we live in a broken world. I'm more aware now of the brokenness than I ever have been. Not the, not the brokenness out there, not the brokenness out like in the world and in certain cities or in certain topics and certain, you know, like I'm talking about the brokenness in me, the wow. brokenness in my home, the brokenness in my life, the brokenness yeah. in my family. And, you know, I, yeah, like one of the realities for our family is winter is no longer here because of the brokenness in this world. Like she was made to live forever eternally and she will um, because of the cross and she's reconciled back to God. But ultimately she was made to live forever. Like, like it, she, it wasn't death. I always say that the greatest apologetic or the greatest argument for eternal life is death because it's so not natural. And so her, her death, her early death, as some would say, I think she lived a really full life, but her early death on this planet um, at least in the way we knew her, um, is, you know, it was gone. And because of that, there's grief for my girls. There's grief for me. There is a grief for her mom. There's like so much brokenness. And now we're living in the middle of that brokenness. And so what does it look like to live in the middle of that brokenness? 
I'm really grateful to say, and I'm really grateful to know that God gives us a solution, which is seeing brokenness and knowing there can be both redemption. And then also there can just ultimately be hope because we know that like all things are going to be eventually redeemed, like even death itself. And so I don't know, for me right now, I'm, I'm well aware of, you know, I, the thing I realized over time is that I'll always be a man who lost his wife, who's going to be leading people through loss. I'll be leading my girls through the loss of their mom for the rest of their lives. I'll be leading my grandkids through the loss of their grandma for the rest of their lives, even in, even though they'll never um, meet her. Like there's just this reality that there is this like close circle of people I'm leading. And then there's this far circle of people I'm leading. Like Winter was a public figure and author. And so like, it doesn't matter who I interact with. It's a part of my story. And so somehow, some way I have to figure out how to hold grief and celebration and tension. And there's no place I've had to do that more than actually in my wedding. Yeah. Like there's this reality that I had to figure out how do I enter into this new life with my new bride who I fall in love with and celebrate while also holding the reality of, um, the grief of a lot of people that that's going to be really hard for. And, you know, it's for me, it was, uh, what I'm really grateful for is through a lot of counsel, I was able to deal with a lot of that hardship, at least the personal hardship prior to getting married, obviously, because I'm entering into celebration, but it's life is full on and really difficult. And I think for us as believers, the, to the ability we can hold grief and celebration and tension will, will be to the degree that we can actually be fully human and, um, walk in a way that displays hope because to live with celebration and not enter into grief is to not enter into people's stories and realities, including your own. And then to live with grief without celebration is to miss the opportunity to actually live fully in life that we can have, um, in Jesus. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for where I am. There's a lot of hardship where I am now. There's also a lot of beauty and I'm just trying to daily see both, just trying to daily see both. That's awesome. You don't have to have it all figured out, which is just such a release and and a relief and the permission, just like walk this out, lean in. And I, I love that you use the word tension too. I heard something one time that was like, oh man, I'm not gonna be able to say it as well. Basically, it was that some of the instruments that we love the most and that go back all the way into time are dealt with strings that are made of tension and that's how music is played. And so, so many times mm. we think of tension being this big negative thing and like, oh man, like there's tension. But in reality, the tension can be so beautiful when you lean in and you learn what it's like to let the Lord orchestrate it. And then you just, you know, you also get played as an instrument. Wow. And when we, when we sign up to do Jesus, to do life with Jesus, it's like there will be tension and that will produce music. And that music will be heard by others when they see the tension that we have. And it doesn't, it's tension's not something to heal is all I'm trying to say. And I, I, I think that that's what, whenever I heard that, it was the permission for me to to just lean in and be like, you know what, this is hard. I don't think I'm supposed to necessarily figure this out or like have an answer. Yeah. And I probably never will. I was going to say, just take that analogy a little bit further. Like the, like you think about a stringed piano, you don't actually get rid of the tension, but you do tune it. Like you, you, you tune oh, a piano, good. which deals with the tension. And so like, maybe I'm, I feel like I'm in the process myself of being tuned, but then also in the process as a dad and as um, a man, as a leader in my community, as a husband, like, also being responsible to help tune others. And I don't necessarily feel like I'm doing a good job of it all the time. I feel like I fail often. Um, but the cool thing is, um, you know, like, I don't know, I want to just totally jack this, this uh, analogy up, but like we have a tuning fork, like we have true North, we have like this ability to, um, to know what is good, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what's excellent and praiseworthy. And we can always be kind of correcting back to that, which is ultimately Jesus, it's ultimately God's character 
And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just doing my best to try to, to lean into that and seek his power and his help because it's, it's not necessarily easy on most days. That is yeah. so good. The tuning. I've never heard that part of the analogy. It's awesome. I do. I want to, <laughs> I do want to talk about this though, of like what it's like to still have to show up in areas. Like you said, you have to have responsibility over when at the same time, like you might feel broken or you might feel hurt by what life has offered you. And part of that for you, it's like parenting, right? Like you still, you still have to wake up and lead these girls because they look up to you and they need you. And we might not all be parents. I recently became a parent and it's just like the most fun thing. It's also wild. Thank you. Uh, It's a boy. And so I don't know the whole girl life thing, but yeah, I have to show up for Maddox, my son, like even on days that I don't feel like my best version of myself. It gives me an opportunity, obviously to lean on Jesus, but our friends listening to that might not even be parents, like they still have things and responsibilities and callings that it looks like to be obedient in. Although they're like, I don't feel like doing this today or I failed yesterday. How am I going to do it right now? Kind of thing. If you can be honest and show us and even impart some wisdom, like how practically do you continue to show up and yeah, just be obedient in the responsibilities God's, God's gifted you. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, ultimately I just continue to show up because I wake up every morning and I just trust that there's a grace for that day. Um, and it's, you know, particularly right now for me, I, I got married recently and you know, the thing I, I didn't realize, um, about that is how, di- how different the experience is for everyone in the family and outside of the family to my decision to get married. And so that's been a thing like to really lean on the Lord for, because, I'm really excited and hopeful and people have different experiences. So it's like that for me, that's one of the different, more difficult things right now, because you have an expectation of one thing and then it's a little bit different than what you expected. And you're having to figure out like um, how to do that well. And so I think I just waking up every day and knowing there's a grace for that day. Also, like I think just having the sense that I'm walking in the purposes and plans that God's given my life. Like I, I've, I would say, I feel like I've walked outside of the will of God, God, like, um, I remember one time specifically like career wise and feeling so off and feeling like I can't do this and feeling like, where am I at? Why did I make this decision? And so for me every day, knowing that I'm walking in the purposes of God, it doesn't necessarily make things easier, but it does make it like, okay, this is his purpose for me. So I can do this because he's made me and he's wired me to do this. And he's going to give me the grace and he's going to give me the power. He's going to give me everything I do to can to do it. So that's, that's not, you ask for a practical thing. That's not practical, except it is practical in the sense of like, um, uh, what's the Bible say? Um, discipline your mind for the, for the purpose of godliness. And, or it says, um, uh, uh, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Like most of our battle is in the mind, you know, like most, most of my battle is in my mind. And if I can just remember who I am, remember what I've been called to do. Um, then even on the hardest of days, I'm like, all right, God, like you're in this with me. Like you're walking this through with me. You've purposed me to be here. Um, whether that be being a widowed dad, like you didn't, you didn't make winter die, but somehow, some way, Lord, you allowed this. So I'm going to walk through this and I know that you're going to give me the grace for this. You're going to give me the grace to parent my girls. You're going to give me the grace to be the husband I need to be. Like, ultimately knowing my purpose and knowing that I am where God has me to be is probably the number one thing, just waking up and disciplining my mind to, to remind myself of that, of that's that good. reality, that truth. Yeah. So um, that's one. Cause I, I would say most of my battle is in my mind. Most of my fear is in my mind and things that have never happened before that I just make up, you know, like, yeah. So that, I, yeah, I guess it's just disciplining my mind, disciplining um, my heart, disciplining um, myself, 
for the purpose of godliness, That's which good. is his purpose in me. Yeah. It reminds me of the whole Second Corinthians twelve nine about his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so we should mm-hmm. boast all the more gladly in our weakness so that Christ's power can rest on us. And it's the whole admitting I can't do this, but then also knowing that you have Christ's power and living inside of you. So you can, mm-hmm. like we were saying earlier, tune your mind. Like, no, but but I can because he does and he did and he will. That's so good. Right. That's so good. And yeah. you have this new, you're launching a new YouTube series called Dad on the Street, which I'm really excited about. I want you to tell me a little bit more about that because that sounds like a fun project. Yeah. So it's actually, um, I'm a spokesperson for christianparenting.org and have had a partnership with them for a couple of years now. I host a podcast called The Journey Podcast with them and uh, really speak, um, uh, really, I've got a real passion to speak to Christian parents, not because I'm perfect, but I'm imperfectly seeking a perfect God to help me in my, you know, in my journey and just being trying to be intentional. And so the dad on the street idea, I guess it's on you. Maybe they put it on YouTube, but, uh, it's started out really on Instagram where I was just kind of like running into friends, like regular friends and like, even like my mom and just asking like, Hey, what's God teaching you as a parent right now? Like, what are you learning as a parent right now? And, um, you know, like, even other friends like Jeremy camp, I was with he and his wife, 80 who have become really good friends. He's a Christian singer. If you don't know who he is, but anyway, just asking him, he's a dad of two daughters and a son. Like, where are you at? Like what's God teaching you as a parent right now? And it's really beautiful to me because I learn a lot from other people. Like I could read a book, but I'm going to learn so much more by just listening to somebody else share a story about what God is teaching them. And so, um, it's just a, a series to try to, to learn from other godly parents. You know, there's a scripture where I think Paul says to Timothy, um, uh, uh, sorry, I'm going to draw a blank. I'm going to think of it in a second here. He says, um, remember the leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their faith and basically emulate what they're doing. Like there's this reality that if we look at people, leaders in front of us who uh, taught us the word of God, who lived, lived the word of God out in their lives, like we can actually learn a ton from that. And then we can emulate their faith and find in emulating their faith the same faithful God who's going to meet us just like he met them. And so, yeah, it's just this opportunity to do that. I'm actually curious because you're a new mom. How old's your son? He's nine months tomorrow. Okay. Nine months tomorrow. I'll just ask you on the podcast since you asked me about <laughs> this down in the street thing, like nine months tomorrow, you're a fairly new mom. What is God teaching you right now as a mom? That's a, a great question. I'm so honored. Okay. So I actually just shared this with a friend yesterday about how I feel like I lay my son down every night and I say, God, fill in the gaps. Like, Fill in the like. I'm never gonna be a perfect mom. I will fail him, and so yeah. There's like the, the grace to be kind to myself. Like all the things people tell you about motherhood, just be kind to yourself. Like this is this is different. This is weird. You're literally raising a human, but at the same time, like knowing my God is powerful enough to erase what I did wrong and rewrite the story if it needs to be rewritten, and that whenever I surrender my son to him, he can do better things with him than I ever could. So that that's what I'm learning about parenting is just like. God can fill in the, he can, he can fix it. If I had a, if I had an issue today, I'm inviting him into it. So it's, it it releases me a little bit more, less pressure, you know? Rachel, that's awesome because the reality is he has to fill in the gaps. He just, it's not just that he can, it's like he has to, because we have so many of them. So I love that. It's really beautiful, really simple. It also releases us from perfectionism to think that we can be perfect, that we have to be perfect. Like just to give our children back to God like that. It's really beautiful. Yes. Power of a praying parent. All of the Stormy mm. Omarian's books are amazing, but that one like rocked my world. And it's kind of like, that was kind of her whole preface is like, this isn't a, like you can fix your child through prayer kind of thing. This is a, 
Like you are surrendering your child to God, knowing that he can do better things with them in their life and their identity than you ever could. So it's just, it was just neat. But I love that. I'm curious, what are some of the things you've heard that you're like, whoa, 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 from friends and family you've asked? You know, it's funny. I haven't heard anything earth shattering. Um, The theme that I think that has stuck with me the most is prayer. Um, Like parents of all ages, even my mom, who's now, you know, my mom has five kids. She has 14 grandkids. All of her kids are loving and serving the Lord. Um, Her grandkids are relatively healthy. Like they're, you know, walking through the loss of um, my late wife winter was pretty difficult, but outside of that, our family has had pretty easy times. But my mom um, was reminding me of how dependent on the Lord she's been in prayer for, um, for us as kids. And like, it's like the thing that's the most valuable, valuable about life in the kingdom that we have. Like we have access to the throne of heaven through Jesus and we get to talk to him. And as we talk to him, he talks to the father on our behalf. And it's just like, so we good. actually have that as parents on behalf of our children. And most of the time we're talking to our friends about what they can do, about what they think we should do. Or we're talking to our kids themselves, like reasoning with them and rationalizing with them about why we think this thing. And ultimately I think the theme that has been the most real to me, that's a reminder to me of what I need to be doing is just the theme of prayer, like praying for our kids and like, not just praying, like, general prayers, like protect my kid, but specific prayers. Like I see a specific need for my daughter. I see a specific, um, short shortcoming or weakness in her life, or I see like, just pray very specific prayers. And what's really beautiful about praying specific prayers was when God answers really specifically, you catch it and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that God answered that prayer. So just praying specific prayers, um, but which, you know, I think to a lot of people until you get to this place of utter dependence on God sounds kind of boring because it's like, ah, it's so much more in enjoyable to talk to a real person about what's going on or to talk to a real person, like a, 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 a tangible person in your life. But like when you realize that God is actually waiting for you to talk to him about your children and waiting to answer those prayers, and he actually has way more power than your friends or your, even your spouse or your uh, coworker ever has to, to enter into that space. Um, that'll, that'll change you when you realize that, that God is listening. He does care. And really it's only desperation that'll drive you to that point. Like desperation about a specific need in your child's life, I think, and in your own life. Yes. So AD camp was actually on our podcast last year and she is wonderful. One of the things she shared that's so funny because it lines up to what you're saying that I'll never forget was in our conversation. She said, the more specific your prayers get, the more specific your God gets. And like more intimately, you can, you can see him and know him. So like if you pray for a wow. specific thing, then when it gets answered or you see the fruit of like your intercession or whatever, like it's hard not to give him the credit. But when you put a big blanket over something and it happens, it's easy to blame coincidence. You see, yeah. like when, yep. but when you get specific and you see the specific, you're like, oh my goodness, like, thank you, Lord. That was you. You showed up. And I think that that's what kind of has changed in my prayer life. And that is so good. It's so cool to hear that. Yeah. And you only, I think the reason we don't pray specific prayers is because we're actually afraid that God's going to fail us. That's right. Like yeah. it's not because we're, yeah, we're just afraid like, okay, will he actually do that? Does he care enough to do that? Like about simple things, you know? And so I'm, I've been challenging myself recently just to pray very specific prayers um, and not assume that some prayer is too small for God. Like it says he cares about all of our needs, you know? So like, it's just like, he'll, he'll dive into simple stuff with us, you know, like really simple stuff, I think. So, um, will. yeah, that's so good. I want to make this connection for people listening. Your daughter, Alina was in the movie war room with Priscilla and mm-hmm. this is all about prayer. So I'm just like, since we're on the mm-hmm. prayer topic, uh, amazing movie. If any of you have not seen it, go ahead and cue it up. It's awesome. I bet that was really fun to see your girl do, do something like that. Yeah, it was amazing. It was an amazing opportunity for our family. I look back on that season. 
Um, you know, Priscilla Shire, for those that don't know, who played um, uh, Elizabeth Jordan, was her name in the movie, um, struggling mom who was going through a hard time in her marriage and with her daughter and prayer was the was the answer and the solution. But Priscilla simply said to my late wife, Winter, like, hey, like, I'm doing this movie. I just got cast. And, you know, the Kendrick brothers asked me, do I know a young black female who is an actress? And she goes, no, but I have a cute niece. And so what would transpire from there would be transpire from there would be like this beautiful um, merger of lives where, you know, Winter had started her ministry for girls like you for tween girls. Like for, she really started it for Alina. And then Alina became this child actress that we didn't even know that she was talented. Like, but you put that girl in front of direction, either musically or acting, and she's able to do what you're asking her to do. And um, God's just wired her that way. And, um, you know, it's funny. She's kind of gone more towards music and done a lot of music since war room has done some other acting actually did some acting this summer in a feature film, um, that'll be coming out next year. Um, but yeah, she's, uh, amazingly gifted, um, has walked through a lot as an oldest daughter, um, through a pretty heavy, um, difficult season. You know, she lost her mom when she's 14. And so anyway, um, she's, about to graduate from high school, which is really, really crazy. So when you look at the girl in War Room, Dan- uh, Danielle Jordan, like you're going to see a completely different girl because at that point she filmed it when she was 10. It came out when she was 11. Yeah. And wow. uh, now she's 17. Pretty crazy. So Wild. Well, yeah. just know that your family is doing really cool things. And it's just an honor to be able to have you impart some wisdom on us and things you've learned. And I love this conversation about it being both and, and things can be hard and things can be beautiful. And that's where we just see, I don't know, in my opinion, that's where I see God the most is where he can be both to me at the same time. Yeah. There's a quote by my uh, former boss, Tony Evans, spiritual dad, I'd call him Dr. Tony Evans. He says, if all you see is what you see, you'll never see all there is to be seen. And it's really been something I've really tried to um, live Wait, by. Wait, hold on, like, hold on. Seeing... Say it one more time. That was too good to say it once. <laughs> he says, if if all you see is what you see, you'll never see all there is to be seen. Oh, that there's that's so good. a reality behind the reality that if we could get like a God glimpse at, like through our spiritual eyes see, um, then we could live with more power and live with more like faith because there's something happening grander and greater than the story we see playing out on the daily. And I, I think that's in the, the celebration of the grief, like in order to see, you know, um, Paul, I'll just, sorry, this is going to, if you don't mind this thought, like Paul is in prison, um, you know, maybe thinking he's going to die, at least thinking he's going to get tortured. You know, he's probably sick at times in this prison in Rome. And he's writing to the Philippian church, this young church, burgeoning church, and he says to them, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And it's like, okay, that's weird. He's writing to a persecuted people, telling them rejoice always. That's Philippians 4, 4. But then he goes on in 4, 8 to say whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is, uh, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about these things. Which he says, if he says that, then he actually is assuming that those things always exist. So our task is to see those things. Like what's true, right, honorable, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, um, in every circumstance, because that's the only way we can rejoice is if we see those things despite our circumstances. So yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thought. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, that is, that's for me. It can be all of those things. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, again, I'm just so grateful that you would take time and just share your story and things you're learning and where God's showing up in your life here at Behind the Bliss, because I needed it. So I know, and I'm praying our friends needed it and whoever is turning in today, I just, I just know that they had 
an incredible aha moment. And so thank you just for being being an instrument, willing to be tuned and just hang out with us today. Where can people find you online? All the things you're up to if they wanted to know more about Jonathan. Yeah. So Instagram pitch JR two six. I don't know why I made my name that, but pitch JR two six. Instagram where I do most of my personal stuff. And then at for girls like you is all of the for girls like you handles the ministry I run for girls like you.com is our website. If you have a tween daughter, daughter between the age of seven and 12, we have resources there, but, um, yeah, glad to be uh, glad to be used and still be in tune, by the way. But I'm glad that God can use my tuning. Uh, so grateful for the time. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.